What's up, everybody? On this week's episode of Let's Talk of Sports, we discuss CP3, the trade or no trade, or our theories about a trade of where CP3 can go. We discuss, we discuss Zeke, the Cowboys, and, and the possibility of Zeke being not signed up for a new contract or possibly getting a little two-year contract extension. And then we just also talk about the NCAAs and footballs and minor league uh, football and all that crazy stuff that where we believe the NFLPA won't pay. So tune in to this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here on yet another Wednesday. We're going to discuss what's going on out there in the landscape of uh, what we call entertainment. But before I go there, I got to welcome my boys, Al, E. What's good, baby? Oh, I'm doing good. I think Al is back there setting up his um, backdrop. He probably has the uh, the pimp car with the with the cup and the Cadillac back out there. So when he comes in online, I guess you're going to see the whole black and gold and, you know, <laughs> 1970 pimp backdrop. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> nah, it's just, today's just been one of those busy days, man. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just in the process of just getting everything set up <laughs> for video. But y'all go ahead and continue on. I'm going to jump in every now and then. Well, that's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Even though we might have some audio or some video type of uh, difficulties, we always coming out blazing. You know, we just find different ways to make sure that we get the content out. So, with further ado, it's Wednesday. We all had our ideas of what might have happened once Chris Paul and uh, Russell Westbrook was traded from OKC to Houston. And it looks like harmony is going on in Houston with uh, with the beard and the Brody. But uh, my man Chris Paul is real quiet up in there in OKC. And the brass of OKC is trying to trade him, but nobody wants that hefty-ass contract that he got. <laughs> so I guess my question would be, based on the talent that was received via trades and everything that uh, – because they got a nice haul from the Clippers considering what they got for uh, Kawhi. No, I'm sorry, for Paul George. Um, with the addition of Chris Paul, do you see OKC kind of squeaking in into the A spot of the West? Not at all. I mean, that's a reclamation pro- project right now. I mean, they're in total rebuild. Um, Chris, I know they're trying to actively <laughs> move Chris Paul. Um, to me, if I'm Chris Paul, I don't want to be there in a situation where the team is clearly in rebuild mode. Um, they got rid of most of their best assets, um, a la Russell Westbrook. Um, so you're there with a team that has a ton of draft picks, players. Those draft picks are probably may or may not stay there as it is right now. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I don't see them squeaking at the AC. I will be highly shocked um chris paul is not the chris paul that he was back in um when he was with the hornets or back when he was with new orleans a guy that could carry the team you know through a season um he has in my opinion really nobody there to help him you know they was going to try to make a run of the eighth seed 
Uh, but you're right. That contract is scaring off a lot of teams. I don't know if anybody really wants to pick up the contract. For, for um, facing an aging <laughs> veteran out there who has apparently worn out his welcome in plenty of places. He wore his welcome out of New Orleans. He wore his welcome out in um, Clippers. And he wore his welcome out in Houston. Um, so I... I don't know. I mean, I don't know who's going to take him. I mean, there's a lot of teams that would if it wasn't for the contract, but that contract is going to hamstring you unless he's willing to waive some of that money. If I'm Chris Paul, I ain't taking a buyout or waiving any kind of dollars. Well, I mean, I look at it from the standpoint where Chris Paul is finally being that dude since probably New Orleans or Charlotte, whatever, you know, when Charlotte moved to New Orleans, where he's that dude, where he's going to be number one. And I think just for this year, or at least for half a year, I think he's going to shine where it's going to warrant somebody trying to trade for him and put him on a nice squad, and OKC is going to prosper based off of those draft picks. But that's just my opinion because – you know, he's that dude that's going to have the ball in his hands. And, I mean, Gugliardi, uh, or however you pronounce his name, Galliano from the Clippers and the other cat that they picked up, though are nice complimentary players, it's still going to be all about Chris Paul and what he has, in, you know, with the rock in his hand. And I can guarantee somewhere around before a trade deadline, L.A. is going to come a-knocking. And they're going to add him to L.A. because they're going to realize that with the squad that they have, even though they're nice, may not propel them to be the number one or number two seed. They might be a three or four, and I think they're going to panic and because of the fan base and because of what they think they need to do. They're going to go ahead and get Chris Paul. Yeah, the question is, what you're going to give up? Because you still got to make the numbers work. And right now, you're already paying uh, LeBron James a hefty salary. You already got AD in there, and you might want to, well, for a la a year or two, whatever it is, but you want to keep them on. My thing is, can you use them? Absolutely. How they make the numbers work, I don't know, because they don't have much room after they, you know, maxed out their salary cap. So, I mean, I without giving away a lot to make the, make the numbers work, I don't know. I think they're going to hope that maybe – He'll, he'll get bought out by OKC and then he can just hit the free market and then, yeah, then then there'll be teams out there clamoring for services. But the numbers is what's making it tough for people to, you know, to jump in and want to get them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to jump in. I What was the question? Um, I, I, I'm assuming you're talking about Chris Paul, but I didn't get the full Yeah, the, the question would be Chris Paul – isn't going to be traded before the beginning of the season. Chris Paul is probably going to play at least the first half with OKC. And being that we know that Chris Paul's aging, but now he finally is going to be the leader of a team where he's the number one. He's probably going to put up his best numbers that he's probably put up in years. What's the outcome of Chris Paul putting up all-star type numbers the beginning of the season where he might get picked up via trade. And then I kind of threw out there with L.A. trying to pick him up. And then Earl was talking about, you know, the numbers and 
LeBron and AD? Well, um, me personally, I just can't. Yeah, the numbers doesn't work for the Lakers. Um, to be honest, the, the, the numbers don't work for a, a good amount of teams. Um, it's interesting. Um, number one, I think CP3, I don't know what CP3 is, is thinking at this stage, um, being in OKC. You're right. I think he has a great opportunity to mentor these young people that he that's there right now. I'm going to be honest with you, he may not even be the number one option. Um, I would have to argue that Danilo Gallinari would probably be a preferred option right now since he's with OKC. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I really don't see between Danilo Gallinari and maybe Steve Adams, I could see something around those works. Um, but if CP3 is very open to mentoring and playing with a positive attitude with OKC, I think that it's kind of like a watered-down version of what he had with the Clippers with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. I think that there could be some possibility there. Um, it just needs to be that everybody was working on the same page. And I don't know if CP3 is, 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 would be happy doing that. Um, the chemistry just has to fit. And I don't know if the chemistry will fit. I guess time will tell in the first half. And I think that's what OKC is betting on, um, more so of a chemistry factor, whether or not CP3 can mesh with the younger group that's there and with his other stars. Because if he's looking to just be with superstars and try to win a championship, it's not there at OKC, that's for sure. And OKC is going to have a tough time trying to trade him to a team that he wants to go to where his number, where the salary matches and trying to get something in return. Uh, so, I mean, to be honest, the ball is in CP3's court. If he's willing to play with these young group of people, um, then the sky's the limit. Who knows what they can do? Um, but if he's already from the jump not um, positive in helping out this team in OKC, then the writing is already on the wall. And it, look, it will look bad for OKC and OKC fans as a whole. Because I think OKC fans – even though they, they're sorry that they, you know, that Russell Westbrook got traded, maybe some of them are, I think that they're welcome to the fact that they got a lot of young talent coming in. And let's be honest, OKC is set for the next three or four years with all those draft picks that they have. So I think it's going to be very interesting. And it all, it all comes down to whether CP3 is going to want to stay and build in OKC or whether he wants to go. Because if he wants to go from the jump, there's no even reason for him to start. I think um, – Alexander from the Clippers, who's now in OKC, is a much better fit for the younger squad than CP3 is. Agreed, agreed. But if that's the case, if if his heart ain't in it and he ain't trying to be that dude, then how you how do you justify putting somebody that high price coming off the bench? Well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm, I mean, to be honest, you're gonna have to bite the bullet with CP3 starting because, like you said, you can't just you know. Um, and it's unfortunate because, say, Kildress Alexander was a starter with the Clippers, and now you brought him in before the trade um, for CP3. You brought him in as your number one de facto, your number one future point guard going forward. So um, I don't know how OKC is going to handle that responsibility, um, but I think Shay Gillis Alexander realizes that he is the point guard of the future for that team. Um, so what they do with Chris Paul now that he's there, we'll see. Maybe um, Shea is open to letting CP3 run the ship for now. 
for the time being to get some mentorship, some leadership, um, something that, you know, some training behind him. And then he could take over for future um, possibilities if CP3 is not happy. So I think he already knows where he stands. I just think that um, he may be open to it. He may not be. But okay, it's that's OKC's problem. They got to handle that. They got to make sure that CP3, if he's going to be there, that everybody is okay with it and he could play to the best of his ability to lead this team to wherever they take What are the chances that CP3 ends up with uh, with, uh, and, uh, with the Knicks? A lot ooh, doubtful because around the Knicks, that's a lot of money to, to tie up. And you, the one thing they didn't do in this pre in this um, off season was that they didn't, you know, do a knee-jerk reaction and pay somebody more money than they were worth. So I think right now, smarter heads are cooling. And I think the best thing to do, I think, from both sides, and I think you kind of brought this up, Ace, was to kind of play it out, wait until, you know, around free agency where a lot more people are going to be eligible, going to be free in the draft. Because right now, everything is locked up. I think both sides is beneficial for them to play it out, at least until the trade market, um, it's a February, then you might be able to get a package. You got to see, does somebody, does somebody get hurt? Does somebody out for the season? Does somebody, you know, willing to make that move with somebody? People get desperate by the trade deadline and they think, you know, they can use someone of, you know, CP3's caliber and bite the bullet on the salary. So um, if I was the Knicks, the old Knicks, that sounds like something that they would do. <laughs> But the new guys, I think they're going to be a little more prudent and not knee-jerk react and take them. And personally, I don't think they need them because why tie up all that money in a in, in the face of an aging veteran where you have a lot of young assets there? And if I was them, I would save their money until 2020, where a couple of more better free agents will hit the will be able to hit the market. Yeah, I kind of agree. And to be honest, it doesn't work for not just for the Knicks, it doesn't work for CP3. Because basically you're moving from a young group in OKC that you have there now to a younger group in the New York Knicks who haven't really proven anything. Um, so it'll just say that you're just really going in for the money aspect of it. So I, I don't really see any reason to be honest, let's be honest, OKC has a better younger squad now than the Knicks do at this stage. So in CP3, he has a better chance of winning staying in OKC. Now, um, I don't know if the talks about him to Miami died down um, is, or is it still, if they're still talks. But to be honest, I could actually see him. If Out of all the teams, I could actually see him in Miami. Um, and be so more of a Huh? They giving up Gorgit? Or what his name is? Yeah, Drogic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that could, that's a possibility. To be honest, if I'm OKC, I don't need him. I don't need Goran Dragic. I would get some some picks, some more picks, and do something with that. Maybe, um, because to be honest, Miami don't have anybody really there. Maybe a couple of people like Deion Waiters. Um, I forgot who else is there. Um, um, I forgot the other person that's there. Um, or Bam Albala, somebody. Um, that's there um, that would 
make the contract work for CP3, but I wouldn't get a point guard. They got a, they got the futures in their point guard with what they have right now. So I would look forward to stack, like get three and D players, wing players, or big men um, to just solidify what you have in the in the in the front court. So if there was a team for CP3 to be traded to right now, that's maybe a fringe bubble contender or somebody who's on a fringe to make it a playoffs, who would you recommend? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, I got a team. I got a team who needs a point guard. Um, I would think something – I mean, Miami, because of the Goran Dragic, of course, but what about Orlando? Orlando is one point guard away. They was already in the playoffs. They're one point guard away. DJ Augustine is a great – is a good player. Don't get me wrong. He led them to um, the first round in the playoffs. Um, of course, they was playing against um, Toronto Raptors, but imagine they had someone like uh, – CP3 um, rolling with them. With him, Aaron Gordon, um, they got um, Mobamba, they got um, Nusevic Vercic that just re-signed with them. Like, he, they have all-star players. That would be a perfect scenario for CP3 because immediately they will push them back into the playoff hunt and then they can build from there. Yeah, I can't call it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of teams that can use a point guard, but I'm just trying to think of what's on a fringe bubble team right now that could use them. Like a, Miami would seem like the perfect fit, and he might still end up there, but it might require another team to come into the mix. What, what, what are the chances – this is a long shot, if any. What are the chances that uh, a Philly can land Chris Paul as a backup? Or maybe put Chris Paul at the one. No? No, nah, they already got um well you already got um you already got uh Ben Simmons running the point guard unless you decide to move him to the two. And, yeah, move him to the two. Uh if I'm if I'm 76ers, you need somebody. I don't know if CP3 is that somebody that you need. You can run CP3 for 20 minutes. You can put uh, Simmons uh, at uh, 24 or for 22 or whatever the hell. Wait, wait, wait. So, um, all right. So, who is – so, what you're saying, CP3 to start over Ben Simmons? No, I'm saying CP3 started the one, Simmons at the two, and then you take CP3 out at some point and slide Simmons over at the one. Okay. I, okay. I I have a bunch of – Okay, my problem is is that I get sliding Simmons to the two, but he is not a shooting guard. He can't shoot. I, I, I so, agree. And you just got and they just got Josh Josh Richardson for the play to two. So yes, yes. So I I, I mean so it's going to be a log jam. Like regardless, you got Simmons at the one. You already got Josh Richardson. Josh Josh Richardson at the two. Tobias Harris, I'm assuming it's at the three, Al Horford at the four, and Bede at the five. So there's got to be some mesh there. Uh, I just can't see CP, right, to be honest, I can't see them giving, I mean, putting Josh Richardson on the bench 
for CP3 to run with um, Ben Simmons. And to be honest, I don't see them taking CP3 after they just signed um, Ben Simmons to that extension contract. You know what? There is one team, but I don't know if, if, if they'll be willing to, to, to give them up. But it's one team I'm thinking about that that may, that, that, that may could use them. Uh, the, the Phoenix Suns. I was thinking that too. That's well, what I think. They just, well, okay. Well, all right. So they traded away uh, Odoo to Memphis for Kyle Corver and Javon Carter. Yes. And I'm assuming that you're sitting there saying that Javon Carter isn't a quality starter for the NBA. Well, he wouldn't start for Phoenix anyway. Right now they got Ricky. Yeah, they got Ricky Rubio. But, uh, yeah, I – yeah. You, you would have to probably come up, come off of Ricky Rubio. Well, that's going to be difficult because they just signed him. And even though they just signed, <laughs> they just signed him, um, he's not eligible to even – they even think about being traded until the fifth, like I think the trade deadline, which is December or January 15th, something like that. Which is, I believe right now, I think a desperate team that needs and is willing to take on a contract is not coming out right now. That's why you really have the market is closed. I think like, I think like you said, Alan Ace, by the time you hit December, you're going to kind of know what the pecking order <laughs> usually is of who's going to be in the hunt and who's going to be out. And that fringe team is probably going to be the desperate ones who are probably going to want to make that move. Hold on. Hold on. I, I agree with I agree with y'all. What do you think the odds that Charlotte might try to pull a picture? Pull, uh, pull uh, because they're just saying that uh, Rozier, granted, is a, is a decent point guard, but they feel as though they can try to, to build something with a, a CP3 Rogier type of whatever. And Rogier is pissed because now, of course, he's pretty much left Boston. Wait, 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 wait. Is this, so this is true? Like about those rumors? I'm just making some shit up. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, because I was about to rant on Charlotte Hornets bad, man. I was, I was going to get on them bad. Okay, all right. Um, I just don't see them Charlotte Hornets doing that after doing what they did with Kemba Walker. It just doesn't okay. mean. Um, I mean, to be honest, if they were to do something like that, they would be the laughing stock of the NBA, all jokes aside. I I just can't – it would be so puzzling um, to do something like that. Um, but you and bring up an interesting theory, though, um, because not just about the Charlotte Hornets, but there's another team that hasn't even been talked about, hasn't done nothing in the free agency as far as we're concerned, and that's right in your area. So, was it? Yeah. I mean, Wall is not going to be here for another certain amount of t- – I mean, he's not going to – I don't think he's going to be fully ready by the season starts. So – that's a, that's, a, that's a dumpster fire over there. Yeah. <laughs> but but what, would, what would the Wizards have to give up to get a, a CP3? <laughs> John Wall. <laughs> we're going to have to give up – I would have to give up Bradley Bill. No, I, man, I think they could do a John Wall swap. That wouldn't be a, such a bad idea because, I mean, uh, OKC isn't really trying to be a contender in the West, and that probably gets them underneath an older point guard as far as the money. But if Wall comes back being healthy, 
that's not a well at least wall coming back at 90 percent what wall was prior to being hurt that's not a bad little trade-off because the money's kind of match up sort of <laughs> if i uh, you're right if I'm OKC, who who you want would be Bradley Bill, because that's somebody that you already know. But then, like, Shea Alexander is already running the two. So how does that work? So, and if you get if you get John Wall, you're getting him to probably eventually let him go. So I, it depends on how much you have to give up to get. And right now, I think with with OKC, they have a lot of you know picks that they can use to maybe, you know, rebuild or entice players. Like I said, it, it's it's too hard to tell right now until you get in the season. And then you can revisit that question because then you're going to know, like you said, who's desperate enough to want to pull the trigger that's on the fringe that think that a, a Chris Paul can help them get over that hump. Like I said, I, I still like the idea of them going to Phoenix Suns, but, you know, how does that work out? So I don't know. To be honest, I mean, you, you – they can offer all some of those picks, those first-round picks in the future that they have to make it more enticing to a team um, with CP3. Um, for Rubio? No, no. Phoenix? No, no. I'm just saying, like, because from, te- from who will want CP3, not too many teams will want them. But if you throw in the first-round picks that they have, they have, like, over at least 10 first-round picks for the next four or five years. So – if you throw in a couple of those first-round picks um, with CP3, I'm pretty sure some teams will be very interested in what, you know, in, in not from a CP3 factor, but from the picks factor. Yeah, I agree. I, I think right now the market is is cold right now, but I think it'll heat up, like you said, a, a little later once the season gets started. True. I still like the whole CP3 for wall swap. If, uh, to be honest, if it I'm sounds the, crazy, uh, no. But if I'm the Wizards, I would look. I would consider it depending on the picks that they come with it. If no picks are coming with it, I wouldn't even entertain that idea. But the problem is that the Wizards don't have that type of GM that would even consider it. They won't. They probably wouldn't even reach out to um OKC because they don't have nobody to actually do that. Like they Wait really they don't, even, they don't even have a, a, an official GM. Yeah, they right. really don't have nobody. <laughs> Which is probably why they stand pat for the pat I mean this whole off season. Like it's I'm I'm going to be honest, it's kind of ridiculous because a lot of people are saying, "Yo, if I'm Bradley Bill, I should be I I would request a trade because they obviously not doing anything to help Bradley Bill out." I mean, they're assuming that, you know, when John Wall gets back, everything is going to be on the up and up. They haven't done anything, anything at all. Anything that – let me rephrase that. Anything – they haven't done anything that I would think that Bradley Bill would be happy. Well, I think Bill likes uh, – I think Bill likes the fact that he's that dude that Wall is out. But I, I truly think that Bill would – benefit from having an all-star quality point guard. I don't know if Bill would benefit from having a CP3 aged type of point guard, but maybe a three-way deal where Earl, you mentioned Phoenix, CP3 goes to Phoenix, Rubio turns around and goes to Washington. 
and there's some picks and some other things kind of involved, maybe that can work because it would keep it would keep uh, CP3 in the West, but then his 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 uh, sidekicks are still relatively kind of young. Though you know you have uh, oh boy, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, from Phoenix, that been lighting it up now for the past couple of years, a couple of seasons. Uh, uh, Devin Booker. Yes. So you got a CP3 Devin Booker, you got a uh, Andre Ayton. And uh, I forget who the hell is. That wouldn't be a bad foursome right there. But it's still, you know, you, 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 it kind of still on the young side. But I can see uh, CP3 being that mentor and kind of leading that team and probably sneaking in like a six seed or a seven seed. If he was the team. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like I said, I, I, I honestly don't think that, that – um... I honestly don't think that Chris Paul is gonna uh, is gonna finish that season out in OKC, but it's in his best interest, like you said, uh, um, Ace, to come in there and really, you know, prove he the man, just to make the market a little bit more, a little more um, easier for OKC to make moves. Because right now, I mean, I mean, outside of what he did the year before, you know, in Houston where he was running and gunning and, he, and then he got hurt and then Houston lost, you know, in that Western conference finals, this past season has kind of been like, you know, very vanilla. Like he really didn't like shoot the lights out and he's injury prone. So like I said, playing and, and being a man is like you said, I think is beneficial for him right now to keep the market open for him. And then, um, yeah, there's a lot of probably possibilities of where he goes. It's just going to be a matter of who's willing to, you know, swallow the contract. Personally, I think he's going to go out east. All right, so, but where out east is the question. I think he. I think he stays out west. I think. I think what you talk about were Orlando. You know, yeah. because okay, all all Orlando needs to do is make it to the playoffs, and you add a veteran presence. That could be the difference between making it out of the first round and possibly making it to the. Uh, no more than the second round because the top four is really the, the cream of the crop <laughs> of the East. To be honest, I don't know. The East right now is a long shot for everybody. There's no dominant team for me. Philly. I don't consider them dominant. Seriously? Yet. Yet. Yeah. Only reason, only reason is because I need to see what their bench is like. Um, they're stacked up on the front front five. Like, get me wrong. Like, to be honest, you're replacing Jimmy Butler with Al Horford. I mean, the offense is there, but overall, I still just don't see them. Like, Milwaukee is still going to be there. I see Philadelphia is going to definitely be there. But between those two, everything else is a free-for-all. Um, I think Boston step, that took a peg a little bit. Um, to be honest, they took a peg a lot. Um, they'll still make the playoffs, but Toronto took a peg now. They don't got Kawhi. Um, so I think every all the remaining teams out there – it's going to be wide open. Um, I don't really see – like I said, to be honest, Philly and Toronto should make the Eastern Conference Finals respectively at least. If they don't, it, I think it would be a, 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 a setback, a big setback. They have all this takes to make it. Um, but everything else is a free-for-all. I just don't see, like, dominance like we did last, last season with the East with four teams. 
Actually, I'm gonna think I'm gonna think I'm gonna probably be a little bit more interested in this NBA season as a whole because, in my opinion, it's I think it's wide open on on both sides. I mean, this is true. The first year in probably what maybe close to ten years that you can't really say there's a clean cut team that's going to make it to the finals. I mean, on both sides. I mean, you just don't know. It's a lot. Is it's it's a lot more even than it has been in an awful long time, even with King James being in L.A., and that doesn't guarantee anything at this particular point. Um, my opinion, I still don't think they're the better team in L.A. at the moment, but I guess we'll see once the season starts. Well, I guess we can sit here and speculate and talk about all those things that we believe can happen but we all know that the, the market is dry. And if there's any other additional moves that are going to be made, it probably won't be made until after the season starts. So, Unless Bradley Bill make, requests a trade. <laughs> Which is possible. <laughs> and, you know, anything, you know, now that we understand that the players drive the league in the NBA, anything is possible. Yeah, that is true. And, 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 and I, and not to cut you off base, but just one point, I do believe that the owners have been right now as the, as the players do, uh, just casually meeting up at their favorite, you know, five-star restaurants and some, you know, multi-million dollar hotel and wherever they hang out at. They probably think to themselves, how the fuck do we let the players have this much goddamn control over us? We got to do something <laughs> about that. CBA hey. talks coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got NFL players looking at the NBA players like, the fuck? <laughs> how the hell did you guys get that off? <laughs> As we hopefully we segue into a little bit of NFL as of right now. Yes, yes. Uh, we will be segueing into the NFL. Uh, we're starting off with the America's team. And we're talking about... Uh, they're not America's team, man. Oh, they're the Cowboys. They're self-proclaimed. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I don't know. It was all good. The Skip Bell is America's team. Yes, there it is. There it is. Ezekiel Elliott. So we know that prior to the holiday, he met with the commissioner and they all decided they kumbaya and Zeke wasn't uh, charged with any type of, not charged, that's the wrong word, but he was reprimanded by the league for his incident at a carnival so many months ago. But now the dude that he supposedly pushed or or, you know, squared up with and went chest to chest and the dudes fell over and tripped over the, the fencing. Besides now that he wants to sue Zeke. And I guess the NFL already made their decision about what they, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to pursue any type of a suspension for Zeke. But on top of that, Zeke is now talking about he may want to hold out for a new contract. So if you two were the GM of the Cowboys, how much of the farm do you leverage for Zeke? Or do you just let this let him uh, play out his rookie contract and then you guys are really focusing on the 2020 draft trying to replace Zeke? Hmm. I'll let you go first, Al. <laughs> I'm, I'm all I can say is if if I mean I'm the GM um all I'm gonna say is is that if I'm Ezekiel 
I would really watch exactly how I handle this. You don't want it to be another Des Bryant incident when you're talking about money. And I hope that Ezekiel learned from what Des Bryant had to go through um, in order to work out a way to get his money, if that's what he's trying to do. Um, me personally, I'll just play out the contract. And then while he's playing out the contract, just you know, casually talk about ways to um, sign a new deal, um, see where we, we at, see where the plans are. And if I have a set money, I mean, set salary range in mind and don't go over it, I just got to stand firm to it. Um, I think that's what Dallas, I think that's what Dallas Cowboys are doing right now. Um, they have a, they must have a goal in mind and not trying to go over that goal. So the talks is continuing. I, I, you know, I think that they can work out something together. Um, but I think that it's just going to take a little bit more time and, I don't think he needs to rush into anything right now. Just prove what you're worth and then come to the table. And then, you know, there's no, you know, if you prove what you're worth, they'll reward you. And if not, then you can move on with, you know, no, no hard feelings. Yeah. So yeah, me, it's me and you were kind of talking about this. So from a GM, um, we didn't draft two running backs for no bloody reason at all in the draft. Um, there's a lot of concerns with, with um, Ezekiel Elliott right now. So the question is, as a, you know, will we be willing to invest that kind of money? Because he's going to be one to look for Todd Gurley-esque type money. And I think what's that, the, um, the running bill is, what, 14 mil a year for running backs right now? Um, is Ezekiel Elliott worth $14 million a year? Probably. There's all the extra baggage that come along with it because you don't know when he's going to pop off and do something stupid. Um, does that really make you want to give him the money? No. And that's probably what Jerry Jones is you know, thinking right now. Um, I don't think – I wouldn't invest a, a long-term contract in him. I might give him a – maybe a two-year extension on top of his rookie contract right now. Um, maybe give him some upfront monies with, you know, a nice big guarantee contract when you sign a bonus. But I wouldn't guarantee a whole lot just in the event that he does something stupid again. Um, so, because you, like you said, you have to remember, Amari Cooper is going to want to get it, you know, is going to be up for um, a, con a new contract. They're going to pay him. You know, Dak Prescott, we haven't talked about him yet. He's looking for a new contract or a contract extension. You got to think about what you're going to pay him. So I would, to me, Ezekiel Elliott is a little bit more important at the moment than Dak, but I'm not sure if I want to invest a long-term contract in Ezekiel based on past experience and his behavior. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I don't know if Ace can hear us. Uh, I guess for me, uh, we understand that running backs are a dime a dozen. We can see how um, – the running backs aren't really valued in the league, say, like they were 15 years ago. And this is more of a passing league than a uh, 
in a running league. Um, with that being said, I think the Cowboys would be stupid not to sit there and and keep that young core intact with Zeke, uh, Zeke uh, Dak, and uh, Cooper. And let that be your core and that nucleus going forward for the next two to four years. Um, but, you know, Jarrah, you know, he has his own little circus that he has going on over there. So he may think he knows better than everybody else and mess around and trade Zeke for what he believes is something that's beneficiary to the team. But I think that if he were to trade Zach, uh, uh, Zeke, or don't pay Zeke the money that he's deserving of. And I agree with you, Earl. It doesn't necessarily have to be a long-term contract, but it has to be at least a two-year contract on par with the top running backs in the You know, and at least keep you there to see if he can keep that production up and then kind of go from there. But I, I think they'd be real stupid if, they break they break up that little nucleus because it kind of reminds you back in the in the nineties of Aikman, uh, uh, Moose, well not even Moose, but you had Moose too, but you had uh, oh Irvin and Irvin and, and Smith, you know. So revisionist history, you know, uh, you got a solid three, you got to run with it and just make sure that you keep your defense. Uh, Keep your defense uh, padded up and make sure that they can do, the, you know, keep up with the part to make sure that the offense is on a uh, stand pat. Well, you look, yeah. I mean, it, um, Zeke can opt to, you know, sit out and do a contract code, but let's not get it twisted. Jerry Jones didn't pay DeMarco Murray. Exactly. And DeMarco Murray was a thousand plus yard running back, and them dudes made the playoffs with him. And that was the best we've seen Tony Romo play. And the next year, whoop, they didn't want to pay him. He goes to the Eagles, and they brought in, what was it, um, Derek McFadden. So, like I said, let's, if I'm, I'm Zeke, I'm like, look, they didn't sign two running backs just for nothing. Um, so, um, they want to work something out. But if you hold out, you might, you might wind up in a Le'Veon Bell situation, and they can be like, if these two running backs do well, like, they, like James kind of did for Pittsburgh, they can be like, we're good. And that's yeah, right. Right. Well, no, I was going to say, but the Steelers had no idea that James Conner was going to do what he did. But I don't no. think that's the point, though. I think the point was is that I think is that from a money standpoint, the teams, is that if they're not, if they don't, if they feel as though you're not that valuable to raise, you know, the salary range to pay these players, they're not going to pay you. They'll, hey, you're like, hey, you're offering way too much money. So, Bye bye. You know we're not we're not going to pay you that much. So you can do whatever you want, and then they'll just say we got other running backs. You know that may not be on par with you, but will be serviceable um, with the salary that they're making. So it's with NFL teams nowadays. They don't really you know it's it's a business. It's definitely a business. Like that's what I've seen from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, that whole situation. I think it was Des Bryant. That whole situation with that was just like writing on the wall where they was going back and forth, salaries range. So they're not going to pay you. If you're worth the pay, they will make that decision to pay you. If you're not, even if you're worth the pay, they'll still make that decision that we're still not going to pay you. So yeah. I agree. The two, the two, the, 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 
two-year extension or the option, I think will work best. And to be honest, I think that's contracts that majority of NFL players should do at this stage. Whether they'll do it, it's another thing. Man, they want to secure that bag. Yeah, and there's not. Uh, I agree. They want to secure it. I, I think they'll probably they're probably going to sign Zeke. They're probably hesitant to sign him along because look, he's not Emmett Smith. It's not like they won a Super Bowl and then the next year Emmett sit out. They go zero and two, and then Jerry Jones <laughs> quickly gave him that contract once he realized he needed him, you know, big time. So uh, that's why I said, I mean, with Le'Veon Bell Smith, if, if they can find someone to do your job just as well, and they don't have to pay you that much money. Um, then Zeke Elliott can sit out all he wants, but he'll be just like Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> well, the beauty of it is this the NFL, and it's a drama-filled, drama-filled league that is always a twist and turn, regardless of when, you know, if it's the off-season, regular season, preseason, which brings me into quickly – the proposal of playing 18, 18 games instead of 20. So you still have your 16 regular uh, regular season games and you have your two preseason games. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Or it might be 18-game season with two preseason games. I'm not 100% sure. I didn't hear anything about there being more preseason games or no, I should say, I didn't hear anything about there being more regular season games versus the amount of preseason games that they're going to be uh, playing. Uh, I mean, I know the players probably don't want to play eight, you know, eighteen regular season games. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. Um, I mean, you usually do the four preseason games to kind of work out the kinks and the rust and get everything out. I mean, let's be honest; they have really three games where they're not really going full tilt. It's the, the third game of preseason where everyone is really, you know, going at it hard in the first game. No one's really playing. The second game, everyone is like half speed. So if I'm the players, I'm not sure about one 18 games. That's just more on your body. But are you going to be paying me um, a lot more for those 18 games is, is the question because I know what the NFL standpoint is they want to maximize their revenue as much as possible. So, they know nobody really watches that many preseason games, but if you can crank up the last two and make them preseason game, I mean regular season, not preseason, then that's just more money generated for the NFL and owners as a whole. So I don't know. It's that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. Eighteen games going full speed. It's if I'm, I don't know. If I was a player, I would be. Uh, no, but let's just stay just stay where we at. Or maybe just stay where we at and just only play two preseason games and then you go into your regular season. I think that's what NFL players would probably would prefer. Um, stay with the same amount of games, but instead of playing just playing uh, just two preseason preseason games. I think from I mean, to be honest, you could tell by the first half or the second half. I mean, the first game in the preseason, you could tell where you stand in regards to who the players that you want on your team. By the second by the second game, it should be more so, okay, what remaining players is fighting for those last remaining spots on the team. So but I think that doing that will 
cut the will minimize the injuries number one and still give them the same amount of opportunities they need in a full regular season game so I think eliminating some of those preseason games will definitely benefit everywhere where everyone where some people may not be injured during the preseason and will actually play a full season so um and to be honest I said that not just with just the NFL but in majority of the sports as well because I know um, NBA is thinking the same thing about minimizing preseason games as well. So I think it would benefit all play- the players all around. And it should be something that should be really looked into. Hey, I, I loved it when they had that shortened season with it, with the NBA a while back. I mean, it made things – you know what it was? It felt like – it felt like college basketball, where college basketball is – was is – usually condensed a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the 82 games. You have, what, um, October to really February. And then you have March Madness. So to me, it, it was it felt more condensed and it was like a much more of a sense of urgency that people were playing their games. So you can't sit there and you can't low manage at that particular point. You can't just take games off. No, you got to really, you know, bring it every game and then – you don't have a season running from October to damn near June, depending on who's in the, play, in the finals or not, which I think is way too long in my opinion. To be honest, not just that, but they should also, in my opinion, they should look into shortening the playoff season as well. Like to win four games doesn't really, doesn't really do anything at this stage. Um, minimize it to like five play, a five game series instead of a seven game series. They should have never got rid of that format. The best, you know, best three out of five. They went, you know, best four, you know, four out of seven, you know, all rounds. No, yeah. I mean, the first round was like three best out of five games. And then when they moved to the second round, later rounds, it went to the seven best of seven games. So I think all in all, they're putting a lot of pressure. Um, and I get it. Business Teams is business. They're generating money. Um, the more games they play, the more money they make. So I get that. But the thing about it is, is that does it really hurt the overall viewership of the game, of the sport, um, whether it's NFL, um, my cutting the preseason games doesn't hurt. That's what I mean, cutting those, doing those type of things to minimize the games that I don't think would really hurt the fan base going forward. But this is all about the money, like you said before. So All about the Benjis. All about the Benjis? <laughs> Um, I think if the owners could come up with some more cash and allow the the teams to add on three to five more additional players on a practice squad or to the active roster, I think they'll go ahead and do it. It's all about securing securing that bag, man. And if, if the NFL if the Players Association can secure that bag where everybody sees a little bit more money in their pocket, without a doubt, because the American consumer, and let me take that back, the global consumer of American Rules Football or the National Football League, is so bloodthirsty and so hungry see dudes kill each other and knock their blocks off uh, to score a touchdown or or defend the pass, that I think that if they expanded it, that they will generate more money hand over fist because now it's more more games 
and there's more potential of consequence depending on where a team falls and how they're seated come closer towards the end of the season. But we talked about this for years about the NFLs. Like when we were saying, I remember when we talked about before about possibly having them do like something similar to the G League um, with the practice squads. If they were to set up something like that with different NFL teams, that would also help to generate money for their team overall. Um, and we talked about this, Ace, about like because of like the CFLs and all that stuff. But in, in there's so many different ways that the NFL could generate more money without having while um, minimizing the preseason games and um, minimizing some of the regular season games and doing some other things that will help generate that and bring that money back. So I think that there, there's a little wiggle room for them to be a little bit more creative um, to bring additional revenue into the teams. Well, I, I do remember that conversation. I believe me and he was, uh, was in agreement where college football – at the P5 level is the quote-unquote minor league in the NFL. Yeah, so Unless the NFL decides that they're going to uh, do something to kind of compensate or use something to make it more worth the P5 players' uh, ante to sit there and give everything they got you know, I, I don't know how that I don't know how that would work. I honestly don't because if they were to really legitimately create a minor league system and they started taking the top players from out of high school and drafting them or or arranging it where they had their own league, college football would die. And NCAA ain't trying to hear that. No, no one has a has the palate for. Um, I mean, we saw what happened with the um, the AFL. I mean, no one really has the palate for another league. I mean, you have Vince McMahon with his thing, but really for them, I mean, the the minor leagues is college football, which is damn near <laughs> at some points bigger than some of your um, regular NFL teams. So. NFL doesn't really, really want to rock the boat, and the NCAA really ain't letting no one rock that multi-billion dollar thing they got going on. So they want to keep things status quo. Yeah, plus plus the money is just too damn great in college football, let alone. That's true. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. licking their cash hands over fists when it comes to NCAA football. Yeah, who wants to? Yeah, who wants to mess it up? <laughs> exactly. The, the only thing I can think of is if the NFLPA and the NFL uh, owners come to a conclusion where they can help fund the NCAA to help pay the players what they think they deserve, maybe that could kind of work some stuff out. But I, I doubt it would happen because then I guess the NCAA is going to look at it as the NFL is uh, trolling and jeopardizing the amateurism of the college players. And not only that, because then you're going to get into a whole can of worms about all the other sports that's out there in the NCAAs, not just in football, but you got, like, basketball, uh, soccer, baseball, you know, those type of sports out there are going to start. It's going to open up a whole floodgate of different things. Well, no, but no. I mean, but think every sport that you talk about, basketball, soccer, even women's basketball, 
baseball, they all have something set up in place where a kid can go out of high school and do what they need to do. <laughs> it's only football that doesn't have that. Yeah, but then once that happens in football, people are going to ask for – I could see it going where football is generating a lot more money, yes, but how does that balance out with all the other sports? You know what I'm saying? There's going to be looking for more balance um, with other sports as well, not just in football. I mean, I agree, but – I mean, out and now if you're talking about lesser sports, now you're talking about gymnastics. I'm not exactly. taking anything away from gymnastics. I'm not taking anything away from track and field. I'm not taking anything away from college swimming or any of those type of schools or any of those type of sports. But I would think that if the NFL and the NFL PA want to sit there and kind of really implement that college football is their minor league per se then they're going to have to pony up so that make sure that all these other schools can help support some of these other lesser sports as well. Which is why no, which is why no one is being paid right now. <laughs> exactly. 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 I agree. Well, fellas, we're coming up against that time, man. You know, we can sit here and, and kind of ponder and give our own little theories about what we believe, but, we can always save that for another Wednesday evening. So with that being said, where, where can people uh, kind of find you and uh, holler at you if they have any questions or concerns? You find me in the corner of Rock Avenue. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> around my way. Oh, you play Little League Baseball now? Yeah, around my way. <laughs> right, catch me on the gram, Snapchat, and Twitter, J.E. Ross, the number seven. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Twitter, Instagram, I am Al Qualls. You can find me on Twitter. That's CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. Or or, or is it Adrian Cat1? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. Well, folks, thank you once again. I know we've been uh, kind of off schedule here the last couple of weeks, but we're trying to get back on track. These holidays and vacations kind of take everything out of you know everybody. But we back on Wednesdays. We're gonna be back out looking out and make sure we capture everything that's going on in the world of sports. So we love you. We appreciate all the subscriptions wherever you can find us: SoundCloud, Google Play, Android. Uh, I don't know YouTube. Uh, man, you can find us under a rock if you just look. If you search hard enough for us, you know you can find us. So. Without ado, you know what I'm saying? I'd like to say goodnight and look forward to uh, discussing guys talking sports next Wednesday. One. <laughs>